then outlived the dinosaurs. And vinyl outlived the iPod. Chew on that while we flip on over to the B-side. This is Vinyl Community Podcasts. I don't know how Concert Buddy, I don't know how Chance opens up these streams. Um, And I'm happy to fill in, but I'm going to need some direction from you guys too. And then, of course, Jason, when he joins. So the first part of this is really dedicated to making sure we get questions answered, show pertinent records, talk about, you know, relevant VC stuff. And that'll make up the big portion of the podcast. So I don't want to let them down. So how do you guys want to proceed? Because I know that all of us prepared some questions and some sort of ideas of what to talk about. Um, so why don't we, because I'm, I'm so new that maybe I should just let you guys sort of take it and we can start with one of your topics. Like Arnaldo, if you want to, if you want to go over a question that you sort of thought up before the stream, we can start a, a dialogue that way. And then as people start to join and stuff, we can start getting into a little bit more of a flow. I think if that sounds good with you guys, if I can lean on you guys for a little bit of help, I'll make sure I try to deal with the comments and keep the flow going and all that stuff. Um, sure. Why don't we start with, uh, first of all, hi, everybody. Uh, this is Arnaldo. And why don't we start with one of the questions that we were tossing around on the thread, which was how often do you listen to records in the background versus critically listening to them? Yeah. I on, think average, I, on average a week. Yeah. I, I came up with that question and I it, it became a two-part question with the background versus the critical. But initially I was just wondering about that question because I wonder that about myself because there, there, there is an addiction component to collecting anything, I think. And it's sometimes healthy, sometimes not. But when I start to acquire all this cool stuff and it inherently is 45 minutes of my time, no matter what, um, and then I put it on a shelf, oh, I got to listen to this later. And then I don't get around to it for two weeks or a week or whatever. I start to feel guilty about it. And I wonder what other people's habits are, what their time constraints are how they approach how much they listen to the records that they collect. Because here I am looking at Jose, and that's a lot of records, bro. You know, I hope I have that many someday, but at the same time, that question will still sort of be there. So like, Arnaldo, like, how do you answer that question? Well, I do feel guilty. Um, Working for a record label, I have access to a lot of records that normally I wouldn't purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's times when I have a stack of maybe 10, 12 records that I have not been able to get to, mm-hmm. um, because of time constraints. And because I tend to prioritize the ones that I do purchase that I want to listen to Makes sense. first. Um, but even those sometimes I, I get a backlog because there's only so much time that I have to listen to because now that I'm actually working um, hybrid, um, I have to go into the office three times a week. And that takes away from some time that 
if I'm working remotely, I could just, you know, put on a record and listen to yeah. it while I'm working. Um, I could listen to music also at work. I have that ability because I have an office where probably people won't be disturbed if I play. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would be streaming at that point. So technically, I wouldn't be listening to records out of my collection, even though I probably will you know, listen to music that I have, um, or maybe most of the time it's music that I don't have that I stream when I'm in the office. But um, yeah, I do a lot of catching up in the evening. Um, maybe I listen to a record a uh, couple times in the evening during the week. And then mostly I try to catch up on, on the weekend. Uh, there'll be, uh, there's been a couple of um, weeks in a row that it was basically, I was catching up on jazz because I'm kind of, uh, catching up myself i'm introducing myself to jazz so i would too i was doing a lot of sunday listening uh jazz music um so yeah i i tend to have the same sort of guilty feeling um because it's not like a 1099 Spotify a month thing. You can just like, ah, this is part of my life, whatever. And you can ignore it. And if you don't stream Spotify, I'm sure, you no one feels guilty about it, but like, these are an investment. Um, each record represents some sort of value that you had to put into getting it in the first place. Sometimes it wasn't easy and sometimes it was super expensive. Right. But nevertheless, this is an object that you own forever now ostensibly and you have to actually physically deal with it and so it's like if you don't interact with your collection it's like it creates this dissonance in my mind as well um and that's from somebody who's new like i'm i'm very deliberate about why i'm into vinyl and what i'm doing to learn about new music and explore and become more cultured and so because i'm so hell-bent on that it makes me feel even worse when I don't make time to listen. And then I find myself listening in the background a lot. Like tonight I have to edit a bunch of videos, so I'm gonna put on a bunch of free jazz and let it let it rip and then like be focused on, you know, the software and stuff. And that's okay and that's perfectly fine because the music should serve my purpose, not the other way around. But how much time have I, sp I, I, get, I get to thinking, how much time have I really spent listening to this particular drummer right like it's art blakey record or something like am i really listening to to him and his playing and like being critical about it and ultimately i don't think it's a problem yet but it's something that's on my mind jose what do you think about that with you have such a large a large collection arnaldo i don't know how big your collection is um uh, i haven't counted lately probably between around 2500 Right, so I'm the little guy. See these? These are mine, and then those, and then there's another wall there, and that's it. It's like 400. Well, you know, for me, I love music. Music is all my life. I have an independent uh, record label, and that's all I do every day, uh, especially like vinyl records. But as much as I love music, I absolutely love not listening to music. And what I mean by that is that I really have always hated having headphones, like for the street or going walking. I walk a lot and I really, really enjoy not listening to anything at all. And when I get home, I have this crave of actually listening to a record from beginning to end. Sometimes it's just like songs that I've been 
the singing the whole day and then I know I have it on vinyl or maybe I got home and I'm checking out which pressing should I get or whatever. So it, it makes me desire things because I think everything is so easily there, especially with the internet, that I really, really, really think that the waiting time pays off more often than not. So I would say that probably like 90% of the times when I listen to musical, I'm really focusing on the music because it's just, I don't know, it's just something that if I feel that I really don't have to, for example, like cooking, like my girlfriend really likes putting music when I'm cooking or when she's cooking. And to be honest, like I really don't like putting a record and I hope my hands are going to be dirty and I don't want to go and flip the, the record. And most of the time, it's just a matter of maybe I'll turn the radio on or something, but I really don't like having background music, even for like ambient music, if that makes sense. I do and I don't. You know, I, I feel that because as a musician, and this has been like co college is where I really noticed this. If there's background music on, I can't study. I have to, I'm, my brain will listen to the music. Like I will not, it's very hard for me. Well, it's very interesting you say that. Um, I think that there is a threshold of volume uh, that actually helps you concentrate and focus more. Probably. Uh, I've noticed that if when I'm working, while I'm working and I'm listening to music in the background, if it's at a lower level um, as like quote unquote background music, uh, it doesn't disrupt what I'm doing. And if I happen to turn it up a little bit louder, yeah, I, I, I can't like, I can't like, you know, you ever say, I can't hear myself think mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because the music is too loud. You know, another thing, obviously, that I, I would assume goes hand in hand with that is subject matter. Like, I don't care how low you're listening to Napalm Death. It's probably going to <laughs> distract yeah, you yeah, somehow. Yeah. So it's well, funny, you were, you were saying just now that you'll start editing video videos with some uh, free jazz. Mm -hmm. I was in a record store today and they were playing free jazz. I couldn't even browse because <laughs> it was a, a, like, yeah. it was a little too wild for me. I was like, Oh my God, what is he going to turn to, you know, either well, yeah, it's just something else. To be fair. Well, I have listened to these critically before. Different. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, everybody is different. And, and, and I think that there's a component of being a musician that changes your relationship with your with the sound environment that's happening with versus what you're trying to focus on for sure um lo-fi uh, everybody knows lo-fi girl right from youtube um i not, don't not really oh my god i'm about to change your lives then if you ever have anything missing <laughs> well just just uh in youtube search just uh lo-fi girl it's lo this girl? iconic uh picture of a girl on an oh, lo-fi beats that that yeah the girl oh, sitting right, at her right. desk I studying yeah, like yeah. it's a very well curated uh very ignorable yet cool background music that just never ends it's live right now and it's been live for literally years and without interruption 
But without what, interruption? What it, really? Without interruption, yes. But who who makes it? Is this like a copulation thing? Don't know. Don't care. I have no idea. But it's like what we would listen to in college when we were studying. Like well, everyone does this. This is like a cultural thing now. It's like they're her and a, and a couple of other channels like that. But it's lo-fi like sort of beats and stuff. It's a very it's very soothing and very easy to like have in the background at a low volume and do that stuff. But I digress. Um, how often do you listen to your records, Jose? Like, how many records would you say a day? Uh, around like ten or twelve a day, I would think. I I'm real. I really, really, really love listening to records. <laughs> so I, I I eat breakfast here, and then uh, if I'm doing something else, like uh, I like I'm basically here. Mm-hmm. So. If I feel for whatever reason I'm not paying attention to a record, I'll turn it off. You know, I can't read while I listen to music, even like instrumental music. I have a really hard time. Same. So I'm basically, and you know, I have a noise label. So to be honest, like I'm 100% good with listening to like pretty much anything while I'm doing stuff. But there's certain things that I just really can't. Uh, tell you why I don't, but I do listen to a lot of records today. Like all the records that I have, I, at least I've listened to them like three or four times. Yeah, I mean, you um, uh, of the three of us, you're you get the the championship belt on. It sounds like listening to the most amount of of music. Yeah, now, how, right? May I, Louis? I I yeah. wanted to ask them because you're saying that you listen yeah. to about ten records a day. Yeah, now, is that? records you're already familiar with that you that you listen to in the background or new records that you're just experiencing because those records i usually when i play them the first time i like to sit down in it in my room and listen to the record if it's something i already know i have no problem putting on a record while i'm cleaning working cooking or whatever because it's you know I enjoy it nonetheless. But if it's something new, I want to pay attention at least yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I, I think most of the time it's going to be things that if I'm going to uh, be honest, I most of the time now with like new music, I even wait to get the record before. Like, for example, like I'm, I haven't listened to the new Smashing Pumpkins record. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. You're probably you not. Yeah, you blind good. bought it? <laughs> all right. All right. Good, but I haven't listened to it. It's still sealed. We haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I haven't listened to it, but I plan to do so. But I do want to have the time. And since it's like a long record, I really don't like pausing it. So for that one, I will sit down and just do that and everything. But most of the times, if I'm working here, answering emails, getting things done, editing artwork or whatever, I play a lot of music and you know to be honest when you look at a a collection like this you have to understand that there's a lot of cubes that's like just one artist yeah because i have like everything sonic youth related right Mm -hmm. and then i have like uh velvet underground uh john kale lou reed uh anything uh nico uh or talker like everything velvet uh and then I have like a MoFi section, and then I have 
like uh, I don't know, like this is my label stuff, and this is all like Argentinian rock. So it's like stuff that I know for, for sure. So it, it it shortens out how many records you have when you think about it like that. I'd love to hear some of the stuff on your label, by the way. I never. Oh. You know, we've never interacted enough to where I could have that conversation no. with you. <laughs> I'm normally shit posting around a Rachel stream, so don't worry. <laughs> no, no, I, I know, no, I know, I see it, I see it. But um, I'm super inter- interested in that noise. Like, um, like Astral Spirits is a record label out of Austin, and they are committed to heavy free jazz. And so I got a couple of records from them. One was free that they sent me. So the record I bought, I streamed a little bit. I knew it was good. It was out there. It's really awesome, but it kind of brings it has elements that keep it together, and I really like it. But it's very out there. And then the other one is construction noise, basically, and. What? Like, um, I have a record that's like that. It's, it. it's, and, and the thing that I won't do is dismiss it. Um, but I will not, I will also say it's very challenging to me because I, I go into my head and say, okay, I'm a guitar player, I'm a singer, I'm a percussionist, I'm a part of this ensemble, and we're having like a band meeting, right? This is a quartet or a quintet or whatever. It's like, what are we about, guys? what message are we sending out into the world you know those those sorts of conversations that you have with your bandmates and now it might be the message is we are already incredibly adept and accomplished jazz musician musicians and we just no longer want to do that and care at all so we're going to make whatever the hell we want and we all think it's fun and that's the end of the story but i can't help but wonder a lot about that because it's not easy to to be in a noise group and and make any money at all and get released at all well you know? I, I will say this about noise music I think as far as um, physical media I would say that it's one of the genres where most people are extremely supportive of their artists that they love like, like yeah. hands down like if you like if anyone here is aware of noise music there are box sets of like 400 500 dollars and people just pay them they don't even ask questions what's the what's the deal with this what's the source material who mastered it nobody cares about that yeah it's it's really about supporting the artists and it's like an archival thing because i think it's noise music was extremely necessary when it happened and 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 to be honest, most of the musicians, like for example, I, I released music by Masami Akita, known as Mersbo. He was extremely influenced with uh, free jazz and, and classic rock, but he got to a point when he started uh, reading about all these Dadaism and 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 all this music that was trying to be composed without instruments or with instruments by making sounds i think that it's extremely important to know that there's there are people out there that really do like collecting this sort of music because it represented a time when the music was questioned if it was going you know to our good direction Mm -hmm. Um, and it's still trying to push the boundaries so i guess that 
I, w- I would say that, that that sort of answers some of my questions right there you know because i can i can immediately zoom into that space where it's like look what we're we believe in what we're doing once you have that part of it down the conversation sort of happens naturally if they believe in what they're doing and they're they're really you know that just makes it it seem like it makes a lot more sense i um still have a lot of questions you know <laughs> like why like <laughs> well it's what led to that like um for a person for for from an ignorant standpoint or from a from an a passerby standpoint it's very easy for somebody to say oh these guys can't play i'm almost positive that in most cases that is not the case and it's the opposite and that they can definitely play i I call it the picasso syndrome people are like oh cubes and shit well yeah he could paint like rembrandt when he was 15. Oh, but that's you know. the thing. Like, it, look, I, I've been to uh, Joan Miró's uh, museum in Barcelona, and and that's that's someone that people always say, "Oh, I couldn't have painted that." Like a four-year-old kid could have painted that. <laughs> yeah, but, I have a response to, honest, to that too. Yeah, yeah, but to be honest, like I would be amazed if any adult can do it. Well, it's not. It's it's less about can do it. It's more about they're not going to. No, it's not that. It, no, no, no. But it, it also takes a lot of skill. Yes, it do does. A lot of things because it's like Jackson Pollock. It's like everybody thinks that they can do a Jackson Pollock, but to be honest, like actually try it, you mm. won't get the same result because no. he saw something very different to what you will see, even if you're because you're trying to imitate and he was trying to create. Yeah, different things. And it's and, also not fair to judge like somebody's super like to judge yeah. Jackson Pollock on just the face value of, of some of the stuff he did that made him famous is yeah. to completely ignore the fact that he has hundreds and hundreds of paintings yeah, that no, don't look anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. And they led him to that journey through that journey to where he ended up. You know, he, he was born in the 1800s. And and one of the first paintings that I saw in uh, in Barcelona's museum, uh, it's the top of the hill. I forgot the name of the museum. Uh, it's paintings that he did in the 1800s, and it's pretty cool to see that. You know, uh, yeah, he did desert landscapes, and then he's got yeah. into figure uh, study and all that stuff, and it was all very very cool stuff. And and, and look, this, this is what I'll say about like noise and uh, no wave and all of that thing. There are a lot of musicians that actually do not know what they're doing rather than creating because mm-hmm. there's two different types or you know if you want to generalize and there's two diff- different types of musicians the ones that know what they're doing and the ones that desire to do and do it yeah and i think most of the times noise musicians free jazz it's like it has a certain skill because if you give a classical a musician uh like please improvise they can't do it they may not be able to get outside the rules that, no that they can I, yeah 99 of the people that i have met that are extremely good in the, the classical field they can improvise right they can. right so they can play the most difficult sonatas they can the the biggest symphonies in the world operas sure they can't improvise yeah it's a specialization in that in that respect too right 
you know, yeah, and so, they're, so they're hyper specialized at what they do. And so it's almost it almost makes that example more great when you take somebody who did play by the rules, did learn all the rules, got yeah. it got incredibly good within that set of constraints and then decided to break them, you know, because Picasso said, you know, someone some somebody was confronted Picasso and said, it looks like a four year old painted that. And he's like, it took me my entire life to learn how to paint this, you know? And yeah. what, what that said was never going to land on whoever this dickhead was that said so that. If you take, if you take that same thing that people say, there's always like that small product that does very little, but helps a lot. And people always praise it. It took a lot of years before it yeah. actually became something. So to be simplistic, mm. It's way, 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 way more difficult than not being it. And you can see it in the literature. You can see E.E. E. Cummings, the way he wrote. It was just like the, the smallest paragraph uh, Richard brought again. Even Bukowski's like, people always think that, oh, that's extremely easy to write. But if you actually try to write the most simple things in the least amount of words, most people will like they won't be able to do it yeah i I think yeah generally speaking um what it comes down to is any any genre of music that's deemed to be extreme if you dig uh, even a little bit you're going to find out that there's a hell of a lot more to it than that oh of course and um it's not just it's not just a bunch of you know punks who were mad at the system or it's not just a bunch of people who are pissed off at music and so they just want to make noise that's unlistenable there's always some sort of cultural or or otherwise important thing behind it and so that's cool and i i do want to listen to like of what you have of noise that's on your label i want a recommendation like because you know i've talked about this is like my the whole reason for me being here is because i'm on a mission to learn about, to, to, to make up for lost time and learn about music. Look, I'll, I'll say this about um, like uh, noise and experimental music. There's a lot of music out there and musicians that have tried to do this genre. If, if, if I'm cutting out, let me know because my, my computer is all like, heated up. There you go. Uh, all right. So, for example, if you take John Coltrane, Mm-hmm. who really wanted to experiment in jazz. And, you know, Alice Coltrane, and, and before they were married, and they tried to do music together, and when they got married, they tried to music together. John Coltrane is one of the best musicians that has ever lived, but he was not really a good free jazz. Player. Yeah, I get, I sort of get that, because when he starts to go out, off, it's not really yes. that far off. No, no. So he's incredible, amazing, it may be a little controversial, but that record that he has with um, um, with Alice Coltrane, what is it? Uh, Cosmic Music, is that, I think that's the name. Uh, it, it's not that good. And this, it, it's, it, and you and know, that makes me wonder if he was pulling his punches. He because he was worried about what might happen. But he knew that it, that it was like a, a good um, that the the jazz was going to go that route. I th- I truly believe that. Uh, but I also think that it's not for everyone. For example, if you if you listen to like Sonny Sherrock 
Mm. Uh, but and if you listen to Pharaoh uh, Sanders, when they did normal stuff, it sounds weird or normal or just like not as exciting because it just sounds plain like somebody else could have uh, play, uh, probably played it mm -hmm. and, and that's something that it's very hard to balance out yeah and i think that a lot of those people do end up going back in their in their lives whether it's personal or professional they still play the normal jazz i think that the free jazz is a parallel tangent yeah. to jazz in general and all of those different just like any other genre you yeah, know. It, it, and it takes like, i don't know like example for for me i'm i don't know why i've always been drawn to this type of music like, i i can't tell you you know when i was younger i was always very much like into the weird movies like uh from dust till dawn three or uh the night of the living dead whatever right it's like jaws four stuff like that i've always been very curious about. well so this is this is where i this is where i start to get my ears start to to perk up a little bit when someone says i've always been into this or drawn to it but i don't know why i really hate to let them off the hook because what I'm hearing is that it's going to take me a minute to think about. I'm not going to have a completely clear set of thoughts on it, but I can probably explain to some extent why I'm drawn to it. And that's where the good stuff is when you're See, talking to other people like that. Like, I want to know, because that's not, it's not a bullshit answer. I'm sure it's very difficult for him to like suss out five sentences of exactly what drew him to this but like i want to know all of those convoluted thoughts and i want to listen to that for that reason because that's what i need to know you know i want to know how music affects people how it affected them and how it got into them and all this stuff and that's that to me are the nuggets of, of greatness that i want to try and suss out of everyone well i think everybody listens to music differently everyone has a specific sensibility to music mm -hmm. and they experience it based on whether what they've been exposed to in the past mm -hmm. there could be people that uh, have been listening to music for 50 years um, and collecting music and have heard a lot of music um, and they have this huge um, you know uh, encyclopedia in their head uh, where they can say, oh, that's been done before. It doesn't really excite me that much. Mm. Whereas someone that is only a teenager will hear that and say, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. Even though it could be a pop song that is just uh, rehashing something uh, that was done 40 or 50 years ago, right? Which everything is. And the same thing when it comes to jazz, right? Um, I'm only now in the past year, I started getting into jazz. Same. And there are certain things. I'm not a musician. I feel that I think musicians can appreciate jazz on a different level than someone who's a non-musician. Yes. Uh, I would for for me that's true. And also for myself, a songwriter 
can appreciate the craft of a pop song, right? On a level that your average person, and I don't yeah. say it, you know, in a bad way when I say average person, non-musician, a non-musician or a non-songwriter can appreciate that same song. It's just yeah. something that speaks to them. And I know there are, uh, you guys can confirm this, there are chord progressions that resonate with certain emotions in people. Um, the yeah. whole, um, I don't know, I love minor chords. <laughs> there are some musicians that hate them. Uh, so uh, is Jack White one of those guys who uses a lot of minor chords? Like, Oh, Jack White tries to push a lot of different things. I, w I would say that using the use of minor chords is the least experimental thing that Jack White Right, but I don't know. Right. But there are certain things that probably I gravitate towards mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i don't know why i don't ex i can't explain it um i do like cert i've realized that i love for example david bowie's chord progressions um why do you think that is because i think they're timeless that's why and, and yet they are not mainstream I don't know if they're mainstream because I had to watch a Rick Beato. Um, <laughs> I he up. Didn't he die? Archive footage. I saw I saw an archive archive yeah. footage of him describing all the young dudes, wow. and the way like I'll appreciate that song, but I'm like, man, it's got a great hook. Um, mm -hmm. The way the chord progression, the melody on top of it, mm -hmm. it's just something that i that i just find masterful right but he breaks it down and says when you expect a chord to come in and because naturally it'll lean itself to another chord mm -hmm. if you're writing a song if you're a songwriter right david bowie throws in this something that is uh, a chord that is totally unexpected and that is what the greatness of this probably song. musically inappropriate right or maybe um i don't know just not natural not something that may be a pattern i don't know i don't know how to express it because i'm not yeah so it's different so, it's it's right. it's different and yet it was you know you didn't have to i didn't you, i don't i don't know the logic behind it i don't know why it touches me the way it touches me well, you didn't go looking for david bowie in the first place right you he found you when you were right. young right so it's it's right. like when when you have something like what you're describing is this music to me sounds different and i didn't have to drill a hole into the center of the earth and shake hands with the devil to find it right it was on the radio or it was in right he was easily was, accessible it was easily accessible polarizing sure but like i gravitated toward it towards it not only because it was different but because i could hear it and it was there right like and like so another an example that furthers that point is you would have to go to the ends of the earth in you know ostensibly speaking to find some of the stuff that jose's into oh yeah totally and and, and no one and no 15 year old on the planet for the most part is going to just hear that hanging in the air and have the same ability to go wow that's different you know what I mean? And so the more extreme it gets, or if you're not David Bowie, right? Or if you're not licensed like Frank Zappa to do literally whatever you could possibly want and write baby snakes, you know, like then it's very, it's more difficult. And so that, that gap between this is weird and I don't like it. And this is weird. And I like it because I heard it when I was a kid dissipates.
but you know for Sepa is very interesting point to to um bring because i think that Sapa, of course, it's it's you can categorize it like weird music, but Sapa also knew exactly what he was doing. Yes, he did. So, yes, he did. So, yeah, because he could write. Like, there's videos of him just like writing music. I'm not saying he didn't know what he was doing. I'm saying well, his deliberate, strange no, no. music was lis- like was in the ears of plenty of people. Like, yeah, it was out there to be listened to and easy to find. Here's Jason. Let's bring him up. Thanks for being late. Two thousand and late. You did say he was going to be late. Welcome, Jason. How are you? No guilt, no guilt, no pressure. Now that we have enough people to gang up on Arnaldo, because we're all musicians and he's not, um, I wanted to <laughs> shift the question, and I also wanted to get Jason involved because because we've been sort of talking about this, um, and I wanted to start with his perspective on this. So. The more work I put into being a musician and the more of my like fucking balls I put into identifying myself as a musician, doing what I thought was necessary to call myself a musician, the more and more I did that, the less and less critical of other people's music taste I became, the less critical I became of anybody liking anything. And the more I was like, you know, finding reasons why I can find quality in uh, uh, a Hanson song or why I can find something good about pop music on the radio instead of all of these weird dividing lines and like stances just dissipated. Because as soon as I realized how hard it was to be good at anything, let alone music, I was like, all the people around me have the same sort of we're finding something positive about music rather than shitting on it. And that was always the way I felt around trained musicians. We had this language where trained musicians didn't really like music critics all that much, you know? And I'm wondering how Jose and and Jason and you feel about that. And then as somebody who's not a musician, Arnaldo, can you see where we're coming from? Like, let let me, let me hear what Jason has to say about that. Did you, do you have a similar experience? Cause I know you're trained as a musician as well what's your question again just kidding <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um i'm not that critical about music unless i hear it live that's where i'm more critical when i hear it out of tune i just can't help it like but i'm not going to be like you know they were a little flat or something you know sure sure i just enjoy it because the passion was there right if the passion is there right? well what, how how as it pertains to people's musical taste not whether or not the band was on that night if, well, if if the if the passion was there, don't don't. <laughs> well, how do you think people felt when they saw that band? I mean, honestly, they played live. You know this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I know it. I would I would give my left eye to see it. George says this the best. This is the way it's said. That is, that is sort of what I'm trying to, to, to sum up. And yes, also, he goes on to say art is not a competition, it's a community. And I definitely really felt that way about about that. But then, I, you know, you've got and the reason the segue to that is that the reason I ask is because I've heard 10 times so far being a part of the VC, the old adage that musicians have terrible taste in music or the better one is musicians have terrible record collections. No, no. Um, uh, 
that's because that's funny. fucking bullshit a and oh. I, who are they to judge and good luck finding a musician that gives a shit what anyone else thinks about their music collection that's my stance on it so yeah. that i wanted to open that can of worms i mean i would love to go to jose's place and look at his records and then laugh at him in his face you know yeah right? be awesome <laughs> laugh, laugh at my uh nine nine copies of uh, Rocky on the uh, that's, I have that. I have the first <laughs> right. press of it. I love it. Right. I do want to answer George though when he said art is not a competition. Uncut gems soundtrack. Oh, oh my god! You know that was on vinyl. That's weird. That's strange. Why? You know, Why is it weird? Do you know who the mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers is? The hockey is team. Gem? Gritty. Gritty does this whole thing where it's just like endless pictures of him holding up signs that say uncut gems from different parts of the stadium. Oh, to wow. me, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen, but I, no one else has ever seen it. So Trip, tripping out. Well, I, I, you know, is that, I, I is think... that the, uh, is that the guilty pleasure cube that you just pulled from? <laughs> no, no, this is actually, um, uh, Timothy Leary. Yeah, but I didn't know that's, that's, Wow, that's who reissued that? That's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a cool reissue. I mean, at, at least the the vinyl, the electric Kool Aid acid test. Like, yeah, who yeah. it's just that? like meditation through an acid uh, um, journey. I I look. I think that my taste in music differs from a lot of of people's, even in the VC. Even with people that I think have like a lot of things in common, they really don't like certain things, and and I'm extremely acceptable of other people's. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I I I'm have a I have a degree in uh, music uh, production. I'm an engineer, and I think that the type of music that I listen to most of the times it's not music that's gonna be like extremely well recorded even though i might be the stereotypical uh, person that somebody would think as like audiophile stuff or whatever mm. i i really don't i i went the other way i went in with Lo-fi. what they had Lo-fi. they recorded was it good with what they did yeah a lot of uh, yeah there's that that that's a stance that um Steve Albini would would take in a certain way. And like when you would watch interviews with Steve Albini, he'd be like, it's not my job to 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 cut out lines of coke on the fucking console and and like horns in the air. This is the best shit I've ever heard. My job is to get it on tape the way that the band actually sounds. And that's what being an engineer means to him. And so a lot of people don't want to work with him because what they want is somebody to make them sound better than they do, right? Or a couple I, lines of coke. I don't know which one, Louis. <laughs> I, I think that that's, but that's a valid thing because look, most bands, even if they're not aware, uh, going to a studio, it's like taking a photograph. That you yes. can Photoshop. It's not a like yes. a. It's it's n- nothing more than that. It's it's a photograph that you can Photoshop and you're free to do whatever you want and a final product is presented but you know it could have been different Mm -hmm. but you know that's something that i really enjoy about like analog recording especially with like uh like four tracks uh like guided by voices type stuff uh sebanoa whatever i i I really enjoy that type of music because i know that it was planned out but it was like 
they did with what they had. Uh, and, and yeah, exactly. Like if the Ramones sounded extremely clean as the radio had, I would never listen to them. No. And, and cause they'd know, be the shittiest pop songs ever. Ex- exactly. <laughs> which is my point with a lot of bands that I don't like, like, um, Blink-182 or some 41 or stuff like that. I think it's way too clean. I love think- both of those bands, by the way. I'm going to see Blink-182 this summer, although I'm pissed off because they they got rid of my idol. Um, who, who, who? Matt Skiba. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know anyone. He but was their singer for a minute. It's it's basically, you know, I, I didn't grow up with that, li- listening to it. And I, was a, I was a metal kid when I was growing up, even though I really don't listen to metal anymore. Um, but there's certain things that I really... I, I think that when you, when you collect music, the worst thing you can do is actually listen to other people, <laughs> uh, to what you're going to buy. Because I, I prefer to recommend records to listen to, but not specifically to buy them. Because yeah. I think it's an investment and, um, you know... It's, it's well, a, it's an investment. Well. You can stream it though too. So there's there's that. One of the things I'll say is yeah. that I specifically listen to recommendations from other people. Then I'll stream part of it. And if it, if I did, oh, but it, I do that as well. But but like buying it just because somebody tells like sends you a link, it's like hey, buy this. Oh, but I have like, I have 14 copies of Harvest by Neil Young because I thought I had to to be a part of this community. Is that not? Yeah, is that no longer a? Louis, yes. can you can you put up uh, George Borden's last two um, comments? Yep, a record is a document, and that is a document of what happened in that room with those people that day. Unless you're Ron DMC. True, true for for certain things, but the Beatles approached the long player as a work of art. Mm-hmm. They spent overdubbing. Uh, eight, and over. I think it was eight or ten hours to make "Please Please Me," but it took them eight months to make "Sergeant Pepper." So, or like, or like, Sabbath took took them like a day. Right. So, I mean, yes, you can. There are certain bands that approach it that way, um, like Jose. Yeah, it's not all the band when they recorded in the in the cave. How how many takes did they do there? For what? Yeah, uh, your Los Mundos record, the one that oh. was recorded in the cave. Uh, yeah, that was like two takes per song. Right. So I guess that was the intention of that record to do it that way. Then there's other yeah. bands that will approach it where no, I want to put an orchestra or I want it to be absolutely perfect. I want yeah. to. Yeah, that's yeah, people. that's that's perfectly okay. fine. So there's there's different. You know, it's not always a snapshot. Yes, um, for certain in certain instances. Uh, but uh, yeah, when I went in the artistry of making the LP record as, you know, a statement as a work of art. Um, and even the difference between what you're talking about and the production levels today are like light years apart. When I when I become grand ruler of this planet and the surrounding planets, one of the things that I'm going to do with all of my riches is I'm going to offer bands uh, that I like, con- I'm going to find bands and offer them contracts. And I'm going to say, but here's the deal. You can do whatever you want on your first two records. Here's all, here's the money, do it, whatever. But on your third record, you have to record it in this basement with this four track and that's it. 
like like uh, Dylan's. I, I really, I know you don't like Bob Dylan, so I will recommend your record. By the way, uh, let me let me find it. I, I don't actually it. hate Bob Dylan in anywhere. No, no, I know you don't. I know you don't. Come off but to. This is this is the ba- basement tapes, and that's exactly that. And doesn't um, doesn't Thelonious Monk have a cover that looks damn near exactly the same yeah, as that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like playing the piano, like, uh, like a thing. <laughs> I, I don't remember. But you should listen to this because actually the. Um, like the whole session it's pretty good this well i gotta like tell you so so you said two things that were super interesting 10 minutes ago you said i don't like john mayer because i don't like the way he sings okay yeah. and then you said i don't like polished singers because they sound too polished that's why i like tom waits that's why i like bob dylan that sort of no, stuff it's, no it's no so, it, so you need you got some explaining to do um i guess I, yeah I, I will um i'm gonna I ask think john mayer at your wedding you know that Oh, say what? Yeah. I, would, I, would, I, would, I would cry. Um, you yeah, no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> it, I think that the music that has uh, really touched me the most in my life is the music that's been made out of the necessity of creating it. Or the scarcity of funds, right? Could, could also be yeah. it, but, but just the fact that it exists or the narrow... Uh, percentage that it exists uh, by the slim margin that it exists I think it adds way more like for example any given day of my life I would prefer to listen to Karen Dalton saying than Beyonce or Adele. okay well how do you, you know? reconcile how do you reconcile like you, you not liking a singer and uh, then liking See, because some of the nostalgia is overwriting your "I don't like the singer." Well, the um, which is fine. There's it's music, just complicated. There's, Humans are complicated. I get it. I, I think there's music that I don't listen to at all because look, there's certain bands that I know that they sound like other bands that I already like, and sometimes it takes me longer to get there. For example, I've always. People always told me like, "Oh, you should listen to the National. You probably will really like them." And I was like, "Oh, how do they sound like?" And they're like, "Oh, they sound if Leonard Cohen was in a pop band." I'm like, "I'm just gonna listen to Leonard Cohen." I was confused. I did. I thought you were gonna say John Mayer and a noise band, but I'm. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, can I plug in a Wheel record? Yeah. Look, I'm holding a copy of Mechanical Joey by Bill Orcutt one of my favorite guitar players of all time and he just released the uh, uh, tiny desk session which is pretty amazing it's a quartet of uh, stratocaster guitars but this record right here which is sealed because i'll never listen to it probably uh it's just two sides of com- of joey ramon saying one two three four one two three four for 40 minutes it's like the launching Infinite, yeah. yeah um and uh, and i love it Here's a question, I guess for everybody, but like, I can't get past Bob Dylan's voice because I'm a singer and because Wait. the same reason Jason doesn't like it when bands are out of tune. <laughs> no, no, no. Which Dylan he was not out of tune, heard? per se. Which, huh? records, which, which, which Dylan records put you off? Tell me. Or songs. Uh, well, the, tr- the, the truth be told, 
I don't think that I've given him a fair chance because yeah. every time I listen to whatever song I happen to either be exposed to or picked, I'm like, and he has different vo voices. This guy can't well. sing. And this, this is probably country, but so you know, my point is, is to what degree am I missing out? I wasn't You're missing there. out a lot. I think I don't know. I wasn't there time and place. It doesn't have any emotional attachment to me. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily, from what I've heard, like the way he plays or sounds. So what's preventing me from just reading his lyrics off the page and then understanding the historical reference and historical importance? Because uh, you can, I know you there's can get more all of that. You can get all of that by, by listening to it. By listening to it. Oh, and I'll tell you this. Bob Dylan sang before Martin Luther King did his speech of I have a dream. I'm not downplaying no, no, who Bob no, no, Dylan I'm just is. Saying, I'm just saying that there was a time and place, but he's still around and he's doing mostly covers now and he's trying to do some other stuff. But hmm. I really think that he brought something. Because you have to remember that at the time, most people were really focused on like the folk revival was all about remembering, 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 and not forgetting, not forgetting, which was something that happens everywhere in the world. But that was something that was really in everybody's mind. It's like in jazz, like people were doing standards and standards and standards. But neither standards. of us were there for that. No, 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 I know. But you have to understand that I do think that nostalgia, it's good at a certain point, but it you also have to you know if you're alive right now you should not think oh there's not any good music anymore oh i don't get that. No, no no i know you don't but a lot of people do and they just focus on the past and i think that's something that dylan always rem reminds me of it's that you, you know you have to sing about your own times and you can actually see historically what was going on and just dylan lyrics and and to be honest i you know i grew up like I said, listening to like Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and Neil Young and Bob Dylan, those, those type of voices were the voices that I, you know, that I really got invested growing okay, up. Okay, so, so they get a, but see, the thing is, that's my point. They get a pass because you grew up listening to them. Th that's, that's all that I knew. And then, right. Like, like my dad really likes very polished singers and wow. my dad's a big uh, Barbara Streisand fan. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I guess, you know, it, it's just, <laughs> you see what I'm saying though. Right. So it's like, we give certain people passes and then the next generation's like, well, I don't like that. And then they're like, how oh, dare you not like that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So, I, 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 and I agree, but I, I also think uh, I, I, I've come to appreciate Bob Dylan more now that I see how important he was to a lot of musicians that I also like because it's very hard to right. pick an artist and the not Beatles. see that he yeah, had a, he has a cover by them from Rage Against the Machines to Kesha to Miley Cyrus Kesha. to to whoever everybody has a cover of of um, uh, even uh, Father John Misty before he changed his name has uh, uh, Bob Dylan covers. So well, my, my my point is that I am the the big reveal is that I am going to do a deep dive into Bob Dylan um, because it would be disingenuous of me not to. Um, 
Don't right. start so with we, so, it's, so it's only the voice that you that kind of turns you off. Exactly, which isn't a good enough reason to no, not fully understand like, some like of these Tom Waits? Not really. Do you like the Smashing Pumpkins? Not really. All same reason. Do you like right. Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> oh, quick, I loved her in Titanic. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you like Scarlett Johansson? It's like it's a good, it's a uh, genuine question. Do you like her? I, as an actress, just in general, you, you as you Black see, Widow. I, I don't, I don't, I don't yes. watch a lot of superheroes. Yes, right. I do. You know, her first record was uh, Tom Waits' uh, record, uh, full of covers of Tom Waits, and she probably and, sang them better than he did. No, actually, she did. She did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I never, I never heard, heard that record. A lesson after this live stream. Okay. <laughs> well, see, the, the good thing is, like, in spite of my, uh, of the, my prickly, you know, fucking with the older VC people, like, um, I can't simultaneously be in hot pursuit of understanding music and enriching my own life and then be like, Oh, I don't like the way Bob Dylan sounds as a singer. So I'm going to completely ignore the fact that he changed the Beatles trajectory and like did all this other kind of shit that, that has everything to do to this minute about the music that I probably still listen to. I, so I'm, I'm going to do a big, a deep dive into that. And I'm going to, because I have to get around that in some way, because how can I, with a straight face say, yeah, I listen to this free jazz shit that definitely has a jackhammer in it, <laughs> but I can't listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be that. You don't have to. I mean, the thing I, is, you don't like Dylan. You don't have no, to. No, but see the, the, the point, yeah, the, you don't have to, you don't have the to, point I'm coming clean on is that, I, I do for me. I do. Sure. Because it's part of what I knew. I, I'm just fucking with everybody because everybody's so entrenched and all that stuff. And I just like fucking with people sometimes. But like, yeah, that and a, a lot of those artists from that time, I, I need to know at least a little bit about what it was like um, to have written those songs that way, recorded them that way mm -hmm. at that time. And so I can't be a fully rounded, you know, lover of of modern music if i don't understand where it all came from you know uh and and so that's just part of part of the thing but no i even, on the surface i don't like i mean it depends like if you're looking for dylan for songs okay fine if you're looking for him for like an album content he can deliver that like a mood from an album mm -hmm. well that's a, that's a so, good can, question, so right? can saint vitus right <laughs> like what, what what would you say it's the record that you would recommend jason like if somebody hasn't listened to bob dylan what is the record you would be like um that's tough i think it depends on what you're looking for if you're looking okay for, for me um I'm a strange animal. Okay. Like here, let me tell you how I approach jazz. I got into like this much hard bop, Coltrane, uh, sidewinder. And then I was like, Nope, put me out there. Right. So, so if you're going to recommend a Bob Dylan record for me, recommend something that is out there as far uh, as you did. I, yeah. I was going to say probably one of the most accessible ones is slow train coming. Don't want accessible. I think I want challenging. I think you have, I, like, I have a very uh, soft spot for uh, slow train coming because it reminds me of the Sopranos all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I would recommend you probably like listen to the Daniel Lenoir right time out of mind. Time out of mind. Well, a, it creates an atmosphere, right? A vibe. Right? Yeah. And if you are or, or Oh Mercy. Yeah. Oh Mercy. That's yeah. That's my that's my favorite of the Dylan late. I, I actually would recommend this soundtrack if you haven't listened to it. It's called I'm Not There. 
and it's a soundtrack for a movie they did um and it's pretty cool but the soundtrack is a bunch of people uh playing his songs and that you be, might that, find that could actually be a good a good way to get in to get yeah, past gets, the voice because you're hearing it uh through other maybe more experienced or more yeah, yeah but the first singers. time i the first time i watched natural born killers and heard sweet jane uh and then heard lou reed sing it i was like oh my god really? like yeah well, sweet you mean that sweet jane by the cowboy junkies, cowboy junkies yeah well like, to, the to cowboy me, junkies with sweet jane i think created probably one of the best cover versions ever made of a song second like, only to faith no more's war pigs as a and, first game. And Lou Reed even said, I think the hype sticker said it on, on there. This is the best version of Sweet Dream Jane that has ever I, been. I'm made. really glad to hear that because I thought I was never going to be able to voice that opinion and like not get beat up or something. But that fucking cover. No, so Lou, Lou Reed even said that is the best version of Sweet Jane. Well, yeah. they have, you know, talking about Cowboy Junkies, they have a cover of, uh, of a Neil Young song called uh, uh, Goldfinger. Oh yeah, they also. I think they also did. Um, I think they also did Harvest. And the so, Cowboy Junkies are like masters at covers. Uh, yeah, they, also they are. Did an amazing like cover of uh, Thunder Road, the Bruce Springsteen song. I think yeah. it is. I don't know. Her interpretation is just beautiful. Like the way she sings it. Yeah. This album cover is whack, <clears throat> like horribly photoshopped subway with like a kid in the ocean. So or, maybe Louis, that is your entry to Dylan. Maybe listen yeah. to a good uh, tribute album or. Well, I've got cover. time out of mind. Uh, oh mercy, and I'm not there, so I'll check. I, all three I of think them. if if you're gonna, if, he doesn't really have like psychedelic out there stuff. But I, I don't. Mean, I don't mean out there like that. I mean. I mean. As like far a, as Bob Dylan purists are concerned, this is his fringe stuff. Yes. Like because like live records, this is a great live record that don't want to hear. Probably it. heard like some versions of just like Jimi Hendrix. He sounds even worse version. live, dude. Just give me give me a chance. That's here. a record where you do too much cocaine and then you play too fast and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I love it. I, I would recommend this. Day. Like for his early, I'm I'm more of a middle and later stuff Bob Dylan, but if you're gonna start with something from the beginning but it's not very cowboyish or like has a crazy violin on it which i, I love. the more crazy the better for me i think this would be a great place to start because no, it's like it's like a hipster record i mean look what he's doing there he's like showing up all these no cool no, no, no 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 yeah he's, Yo, I'm he's hip. Like, look at this girl she's hip uh, there's Alan Ginsberg. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. on the back, bro. Fifteen yard penalty. Too many records shown. Right. Well, yeah. Call on the automatic first down. Hold on. Do we need to show records? No, nah, not yet. We can, yeah. but just like he has, I, I, from from watching from a distance on every single medium he's on, he's like, oh, did you mean this record or this one or this one? <laughs> Everything is on like, hand. Look at this one. <laughs> ask, ask for a band. Ask for a band. No. Chill, chill for chill for a second. Chill for a second. You're flashing everybody with the all right, um, all right, all right. covers. Um, I think I think overall this is, is such a good conversation that doesn't happen necessarily 
at least in what I've consumed in the VC before. And, and what I mean is it's just purely about how people react to different music. Um, a lot of times it's pressings, it's the collecting, the actual mechanics of the hobby and um, whether or not something empirically sounds better than another, regardless of the, of whether the record is good or not, or opinions of the record com- mm-hmm. completely are nullified by whether the pressing sounds good or not. And there's a place for that. And it's just a, a aspect of the, the hobby, but, I want to know what makes people tick when it comes to music. And I want to know people's deepest, darkest secrets about how they feel about it and how it affects them going forward. And what they, when was the last time they, they had a record where they were just like, I've listened to music my whole life and I have two, I have 2,500 records. And this is, I just can't believe I found this new record. That's the kind of stuff that I always want to find out from people. And like, that's why I led with the question of like, how often you listen to your records? Do you feel guilty when you don't, you know, like how many of us uh, are the same, are partially the same guy in that documentary who had so many friggin' records in his apartment that the mice ate through the floor, you know, just cause he was, you know, you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like how much of a part of him is in us and, and, and wh- where do you sort it all out and all that stuff? And that's why I try to come up with, with these types of, of questions. I hope they're not too boring for everybody who wants to talk about mono fucking box sets or whatever. Oh, is that what's going on? People are just talking about. <laughs> a day does <laughs> not go by where record, somebody does not. Records that other people have, but they have. So therefore they make you guilty. You see where this is going? <laughs> we, call that, we could start rambling off matrix numbers. Okay. Yeah. We call that. <laughs> can, I, can I matrix number you? <laughs> So I didn't answer that question. Like I try to listen to a record or two a day. And if I don't, I do feel guilty because I'm surrounded by music, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do want to give it a chance, you know, because I have new records. So, I mean, just records I bought recently and I would love to listen to them, but sometimes I just don't have enough time in the day, you know, or get distracted or something, you know? Yeah. How much, how much of your, um, I, I what, what, how involved in, in musicianship are you right now? I don't know. No, not involved. I mean, other than my band having a reunion and we'll do an album, but that's like later. So you're not, you're not, you're not in a practice routine or anything like that. No, I don't practice anymore. I mean, (laughs) not to say that I'm the best musician in the world, right? No, it's just music is a feeling to me and has to be with, you know, an environment when you're with Mm -hmm. people and you're in that vibe. You know, well, it's it's, it's, mood, it's good that you bring that up because uh, I don't know if it was Louis or Jose. We're talking about uh, musicians that are very technical, classic, classically trained. You ask them mm-hmm. to improvise or to have some feel yeah, I, I and that. they're just what do I do now? So I agree with you, Jason. Music, you don't need to be technically proficient in an instrument. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I don't. Right. Yeah. So. Don't feel bad that you're not practicing, Jason. Oh, I wasn't trying to. I actually think that it works. The less you know, you're probably going to do better with what, you know, imagination you're going to have. Because once you do know how things are done, that little spark of imagination, it's always constantly being battled by what can actually be done. Well, what you think can be done. I have to completely and utterly disagree with you on that. <laughs> so right. there's only 88 keys on a piano. 
Would you call no, that a but finite I, but number? I mean way beyond that. I, I mean but way my, beyond that. My point that. is, is once you are adept at the, at the rules is when it is appropriate to really break them. Is are my, we, is my opinion to Ed Sheeran uh, territory? So about the, uh, I would say that progressions are there and how many times you can use it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but I, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. He didn't steal that song. You can't steal C to G. You can't it's, steal C to G. But my point is, it's never a bad thing to learn the rules first and then break them. Right. Because. Once you are somebody like, you know, there's only 88 keys on a piano. That didn't seem like too much of a hindrance for Bach. You know um, what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 I guess. But you also have to, um, well, for example, uh, um, I listen to music that not necessarily comes within the like uh, sure. and there's a the place there's a place for that. But a lot of those musicians that you listen to, that do what they do are also probably well trained no yeah they are but there's also for example this is a great question have you ever delved into outsider music yeah that's what i'm i'm knee deep in in that shit right now yeah like like even basic like daniel johnston or well i can't like i'm limited in my ability because of how much time has passed but like every time somebody recommends something that's like they're like dude this is unlistenable i'm like let me try. <laughs> so my point is that my point is there isn't, it's okay. If somebody is not trained and they want to improvise and they use their creativity to whatever depth they can wield it. Nothing wrong with that. What I'm, what the hill that I'll die on is that there is never a good reason not to become trained. Uh, because I mean, only I, then, like you're talking about those people who are orchestral first chair, somebody who you put a very complicated piece of music in front of them, they can play that, but they're bad at improvising. All that means is, is they didn't practice improvising because you can take that person. I would bet the farm and say, okay, your new job, here's a hundred grand, by the way, your new job is to figure out in the next 18 months, how to take your skills and be able to improvise. They would be able to do it. I don't think so. Uh, just from experience, it just, I don't know. Because I, I mean, to. I've been a part of a lot of ensembles with a lot of really well-trained people, and and the more trained they were, the faster <laughs> they were able to adopt different styles, the faster they were able to get their hands under new ideas, the <laughs> faster they were able to break out of a certain yeah, norm and make something created. Better. They were able to do it better than people who couldn't read music. Um. I don't know. I, I'm I don't kind know. of in between because, like, I don't no, know. Like, no, I, I, I play I with people who are classically trained. I play people who are not classically trained, right? Yeah. It, to me, it was all about the feel in the room and the song. Like, I could have told them, yes, I want you to play, like, you know, the C in this way. And they would do it, but it wouldn't, like, just it wouldn't hit me in the gut, you know? At, at least for my... I would, I would have to describe to them, like, what am I trying, what kind of mood? Okay, I want, like, a... You know, you stole this thing from the baby and the baby is crying. I want you to capture that when you play on the viola, yeah. okay? You know, and then sometimes I'd be like, no, I want it to be shrieking like it is in, you know, Psycho, the movie, right? That's yeah. well, Wouldn't it be like easier it? if you all just spoke the same language? <laughs> 
um, I, I, I think, look, I, I'll say this. From my experience, every time that I've worked with someone that's like classically trained or that really knows how to read music, has more of a mathematical uh, way of thinking about things than to actually try to do what's being asked or they overthink about it and they don't compute it well when they're trying to improvise. And I think most of the time composing without knowing how to write music, it gives you this freedom because you're not attached to any possibilities and you can, you know, change and whatever. Yes, of course, there's uh, uh, the cophonies, right? There's like different type of uh, classical music that you can delve into that's out there and, and, and freestylish and everything like that. But I also think that there's great music done by people that, didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know any chords, names, and all that. And the most of the time, um, huh? the Ramones. Did you yeah, know what they were doing? Oh no, 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 no! I'm not saying that great music hasn't come from people who aren't trained. Right. That's not my argument. My yeah, argument but... is that it's never going to hinder you to learn. Um, I, I look. It's like I think the Beatles like didn't know how to play a lot of instruments, and they were that's, taught. That, with... that was his argument too. Yeah, no, yes, exactly. But uh, some musicians really don't go much beyond that, even when they progress. You know, one of my favorite bands of all time is called Swans. And Michael Girard, I don't think he actually knows the chords he's playing still. Because I, I remember an interview by him not so long ago, I think it was in a movie they did, uh, Where Does the Body End? Um, I don't think he really knows what he's doing, but he knows what he did and he knows how to make it again because he he's the love of that sure, type of yeah. skill but yeah. i i think uh what was um um wow what's what's this uh sun house like he he probably didn't know what the uh, fuck he was doing but like but i'm glad what he did whatever he was doing because it was more about the wanting to get this feeling in him in his heart out. well so so let's let's come to a hard point like so i agree with what you're saying insofar as there's are there's a list like santa's list of bands and musicians who don't know how to play their instruments or don't know how to read music yep. or know any theory that have made great shit that is not what's up for debate my point and my only point is it is never a bad idea to learn yeah okay and if you're yeah. saying that it is because it stifles creativity, I think that that's a function of not doing the work to actually learn enough. Um, I, I guess that some, in some instances, ignorance is bliss. But I, and but I do think it's it's good to keep on learning and have that type of mindset. But. I don't think it's like a great starting point. Like you don't have to start making music. No, you should start. With, you should start. You should start is the answer. You should just start. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, and that's, that's a great point. You know, there's a guy called R. Stevie Moore that I don't know if anybody here knows about him, but he's like the father of home recordings. Right. And uh, he's self-recorded music all his life. And he says something that's I think it's very important and very interesting is that it takes more courage and effort to finish a bad song than it is to finish a good song. I feel that deeply. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's something that I really enjoy when he says that. It's because sometimes we leave like a song unfinished and we finish and it takes way more effort to finish it because you're not having a lot of fun. And yeah. And and you know and that's the sort of God. I mean, that's, that's you bring up like, an interesting point there. Having the balls to finish the song you're not into is tough because you can't just phone it in if you care. You, yeah, you and most like, of the times it's something that people might enjoy. You know, there's there's bands that absolutely hated a song they did. Uh, uh, Gene Simmons hated uh, the Kiss. Uh, I was made for loving you. He said that he absolutely hates that song. Yeah, probably the more the most uh, popular song. It, it's stuff like that, but it's I, maybe it's like an outsider music perspective. But I do think that uh, there are certain elements that will make you who you are as a musician. But there's really a lot of musicians that really don't want to evolve beyond that. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but see, the thing is, I'm not making a positive economic statement here. I'm not saying they should. No. I'm saying it can't hurt. Um, I, I, I just can't imagine a scenario where somebody spends from, you know, fifth grade until they're 18 and learns how to fundamentally shred the piano and then is like, oh, my God, I can only play literally everything. And now I can't be creative. You know what I mean? Like, I just I can't imagine a situation where you become adept at an instrument and that somehow ruins your fucking career. Unless you become Liberace, I don't know. Oh, and he's, yeah. and he's still crying all the way to the bank. If yeah. you have a cape, you don't need anything. Yeah. <laughs> How much, uh, like the balls on that dude in general, like if you really paid attention to the time when he was big, cape, the jewelry and yeah. shit, like god yeah. damn. Most people, uh, there's like this latest uh, documentary on uh, Little Richard, right? And it's it takes a different point of view because it's not just about Little Richard, the music. It's about his life, right? And how he grew, you know, like in a racist, uh, like underprivileged. And he was like, you know, flauntedly gay, you know? And he, he was also like super Christian. So he had these dualities and he could not uh, put them together. And that basically troubled him to the end of his life, you know, yeah. and a lot of that pressure. Him. And, you know, when he got it, but still then he would reject it because it didn't fit, you know, with his Christian beliefs, you know, it was such a, that's a sad you know, tale because that all that shit is. was imposed on him. He didn't have a choice. That's it. Societal you know, pressure I, in formative years. We were talking about and the way he was brought up, you know, so yeah. you learn this in the documentary, this it's, you guys, what's, the, what's the name of that documentary? Uh, I can look it up. It was probably like, the most heaviest like I've ever seen of a like early rock and roll. You know, I love Little Richard. You know, there, there's there's been a lot of great documentaries lately about um, musicians uh, that we talked about. I have everything, about. Little Richard. So, uh, what's the name again? Little Richard. I am everything. I'll just put it in the chat. For Is you. it on streaming right now? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, but I think you have to pay or. You know, just you know. Or, yeah. Jeff Bezos is uh, right. listening to this conversation. I guess. Yeah. You know, but, this uh, is, uh, George Borden has a good take on that. On what I was saying. Yes. Um, but I, you know, I want. I hate to point this out because I, it's doesn't need to be. But like, the fact that we were able to have a disagreement and still learn something new. 
Yeah, like, no, no. Oh, I, I, mark I, I, it on your goddamn calendar somewhere. Not only owning that Beatles model. You know what I mean? Like, we should mark this on a calendar. It's like, because this is how new information is learned. And it's like, okay, you know, like, I see what you're saying. And like, now I want to listen yeah. to some of the stuff that you're talking about um, because I'm willing to be malleable about my points of view. I mean, you know what you're saying? Like, it, I think of John Cale, right? He was a classically trained musician. I mean, he played with, you know, some outsider yep. people, John Cage, right? Okay. But I mean, he was classically trained and he can probably play Bach. You know, he could just blow us away with it, right? He, he, he played it. He won't, right? And he'll deny that he's had the training because it makes him look uncool. You see oh, like back, like back driving to the to the music awards in a limo until a yes. block away, and then getting into a beat up pickup truck. Well, that, yeah, that's yeah. not exactly cred. But I mean, he used <laughs> his knowledge, right, to create these drones, right? That yeah, really like define the early Velvet Underground, right? Yeah. Or like, like God, that, you know, and, and, and it's it's a shame too because that band sounds fucking terrible. Which or like York, York's, a, York's <laughs> another band? classically trained musician, but yeah. you hear um, her some of her work and you think, Ramblin. okay, she's just twiddling the knobs here on her laptop. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, yeah. uh, as as someone who uh, absolutely loves Velvet Underground, are we are we mortal enemies now? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like, for example, you were you said something a, a little earlier. I can't listen to the first Velvet Underground record anymore. I can't. Like, I, I can't. I can't listen to Nevermind. I can't yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, Led yeah, Zeppelin yeah. 4. I exactly. can't listen to Back in Black. There's certain or, records. Or, or at the very least, you got to be in like a very specific. No, 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 I can't. I, the last time that I heard Nirvana Nevermind was when I sold my copy, which I, I'm still saddened because my mom gave me that copy. And, 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 and it was one of the first records that I got. But it was a good pressing. It was going for for dough, so I sold it because I needed a uh, I needed to pay an independent artist uh, uh, pressing a uh, uh, plant um, um, budget. But uh, I I think that um, you know there's certain uh, music that um, that you can go around it and you normally hate because you have like a certain aspect to it that you really don't want to deal into. Like, for example, if you really don't want to listen to that uh, Velvet Underground record, you probably hate them because of that first record and how much praise it gets, blah, 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 and, and all no, that. It, but, it's just another case of me being an asshole. I haven't given it a No, no, no. But, but, yeah, but, for example, like, Jason's uh, uh, talking about, like, John Cale. Like, I, for as much as I love Lou Reed and all my life I've loved Lou Reed and I cry like a bitch when, when he died when I was, I was in, in university uh, wow. John John Cale like has always become my hero because yeah he was classically trained he did a lot of like experimental music and all that he even plays on uh, Nick Drake's um, uh, second record for second record yeah he plays like viola and like in two, two tracks but he was like he did a lot of good stuff and he produced a lot of good stuff you know uh, the stooges uh patty smith nico he did a lot of good stuff so there's ways to go around an artist and i guess if you have like the 
the pull of like going deeper into that. Maybe because I have like a discogs mind, right? I, I need yeah. to like this person play on this, so I must listen to it. Oh, you know what? I yeah. actually liked it because it resembled this, this, and this. Um, I I think it just makes for a great journey when you you know. Yeah, and 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 like. And that's what I am about. And that's why I'm sort of like revealing my true intentions here because um, like I have to, I have to, for my own purposes, not for anybody else's, but for my own purposes, I need to, I need to fill in a lot of gaps and make up for a lot of lost time. And a lot of that has to do with listening to things that historically, maybe I didn't give enough of a chance to. And I have new ears now too. You, as you get yeah. older, you start to think more about what music means to you and you can actually get a clearer definition of it. And so I've defined it really well also, for myself. So I have to go back and listen. You know, you know what my, one of my, one of those records that I always think it's going to get released on records of the day and it never re gets released and it probably will never get released is the John Cale's uh, soundtrack for American Cycle. If you didn't know that he did the soundtrack for it, he did the, but that movie is amazing. Yeah, he did the score for it. He did the 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 music for it. So you like something, uh, but 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 it's another five yard penalty, <laughs> right? A loss of down because yeah. we've got a moratorium on showing records. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts. <laughs>